Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Hello, sports leaders. I want to introduce today's guest by using an article from one year ago that announced the promotion of this impressive woman to a historic position, the first female leader of the storied College Football Hall of Fame. Following an extensive nationwide search, the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame announced in March of 2020 the promotion of Kimberly Bodine to Chief Executive Officer. Bodine previously held the position of Senior Vice President of Marketing and Sales. Quote, Kimberly was chosen to lead the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame because of her depth and breadth of experience and fan and partnership engagement, as well as her tremendous energy and enthusiasm, said A.J. Robinson, chairman of the Atlanta Hall Management Board of Directors. We have full confidence that she will uphold our position as one of the nation's premier sports and entertainment destinations. Her steady leadership is critical through this pivotal period, and we know she will successfully build a foundation for future growth for the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame. Kimberly, who's worked with the Hall of Fame for five years, has more than 20 years of brand development and marketing experience. Before joining the Hall of Fame, she held marketing leadership positions with Arrow Exterminators, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Atlanta Thrashers. She began her career with Turner Broadcasting, holding several positions, including director of the CNN Studio Tour. Quote, it's a tremendous honor to lead the attraction known as the home of college football. The hall is well-respected for its commitment to fans and preserving all that is great about the game, and I look forward to upholding its reputation, said Bodine. I know you'll find Kimberly as approachable as she is leaderful, as she lays down so much information for you to level up in this honest and candid conversation. She's got great interview tips galore, so if you are in that space in your career where you are searching for your next role, this is a must-listen. Huge thank you to Kimberly for sharing her voice. With that, let's go. Episode 39. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Kimberly Bowden, who's the Chief Executive Officer for the College Football Hall of Fame, one of Atlanta's top attractions and college football's mecca. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it and I'm glad to be here. Uh, we are, we're thrilled and I want you to introduce yourself to the audience, who you are, what you do and how you got there. All right. So I kind of define myself first and foremost, because I think you're not just kind of one thing. And I think as women, we have to balance a tremendous amount. So mom, wife, daughter, friend, CEO, right. And so blending all of that you know, what I do is, is obviously I lead the College Football Hall of Fame. 
Um, we are a nonprofit mission-based organization um, dedicated to preserving the game and honoring the greatest of the greats. And truly it was established to honor the greatest of the great and hold them up as role models for future generations. And so we get to tell the stories of these amazing, amazing Hall of Famers and showcase them in a way that is inspirational also for future generations. And so we're really excited to be able to do that. We're also a lot of fun. It's a 95,000 square foot interactive facility. So, because college football is fun, if nothing else. And uh, I also say I get paid to talk smack all day. So, because you always have an opportunity with a guest or an employee because they're fans. And, you know, there's always a, a little ribbing and a little rivalry that, that you can throw into the day. So, there's got to be a great story there uh, before we move on to, to the next question. I'm sure you have lots of celebrity guests and, and former um, Hall of Famers. Like, tell us about one of those great stories. Okay, so uh, the one that just came to my mind was we, as a, the executive team, gave our frontline staff the day off. And it was like the Monday after Labor Day. And so we said, all right, we'll work the building. You go have an outing. And we didn't really think it was going to be that busy of a day. And turns out it was and it was a Monday night football. The Eagles were playing the um, the Falcons. And so we had a lot of a lot of Eagles fans coming through and a lot of Falcons fans that were down early. And we got word that um, Chip Kelly wanted to come through with and then we had a couple of the players come through and so that moment with him when I got to meet him was why did you cut Tim Tebow so <laughs> I'm a Gator fan and so um, and he answered me he engaged he's like well listen I think the world of Tim you know I think he needs to go play somewhere else and could come back and you know but it was um yeah, that was a good moment to kind of say, hey, I don't, I'm not down with this. Why'd you do that? Oh, gosh, I love that. So aside from talking smack, what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities in leading this iconic building and Hall of Fame um, for, you know, not just Atlanta, but for really the yeah, world? We are, yes, we are the National College Football Hall of Fame. I like to say that, you know, there are aquariums. Um, in cities across the country. There's zoos in cities across the country. We are the only college football hall of fame in the country. And we represent um, 775 schools that that are four-year institutions that play college football. So from division one down to NAIA. And we have hall of famers from 330 schools across the country. So um, it's a really impressive group. And so I would say the day-to-day -day is, you know, obviously, you know, working with the financial team and, it's, it, you know, the COVID times have definitely been been different. I think we're on financial forecast, you know, number 3,000 in a year because you, you, know, you budget and then you have to pivot, right? No, sorry. I had to do it. That and word. I, that I can't word. get away from it. <laughs> and, you know, so a lot of financial forecasting, a lot of right now working through some of the government um, relief funds that are out there you're just trying to navigate that and make sure that we weather this storm and come out strong and able to continue to fulfill our mission. Um, one of the things that we have been doing in this time when it's slower is adding to our collection and adding to our exhibits and taking the opportunity to make sure 
that we are telling all the stories that we need to tell. So we reopened with an HBCU temporary exhibit and that has given us the opportunity to find a sponsor. And in June, we'll be opening a new permanent HBCU exhibit. So that is some 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 very you know good progress that has come this year. We also are working on some of our more fun interactives, updating our college game day desk that we have you know in partnership with ESPN and Home Depot and some of our Coke interactives around tailgating. So really trying to tell some meaningful stories and at the same time in you know elevating the overall guest experience. That sounds amazing. I would love to plan a trip um, as soon as we are able. Yeah, come see us. Oh, that's great. So for you, in April 2020, you were appointed CEO of the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. making you the first female leader of the storied attraction. Yeah. So what does it mean to you to be a female leader in sports and college sports and, and the first female leader of, uh, of the Hall of Fame? You know, it's humbling. And I I just, you know, I think the first and foremost, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I don't for, for myself and for, for all the women out there who who want to continue to grow and have leadership positions, you know, I want to not only um, achieve the role, but crush it in the role so that um, they, you know, you can be successful. And so, for me, you know, I, again, know I earned it for my skill set, but then at the same time have the, um, the responsibility to, to other women and, and to future generations as well to try to, you know, to light that path. And um, so that means a lot to me and finding out, finding ways to, to give back and share advice and, and, you know, bring people forward. And, uh, there was one other, oh, I know what I was gonna say, another story. I didn't really think it was a big deal that I was a female CEO of the College Football Hall of Fame until I was doing a news story around one of our new exhibits recently. And the, the correspondent you know, kind of teed it up and said, next we're gonna be talking to the CEO of the College Football Hall of Fame. They've got this you know, brand new exhibit on integration that they're opening. And the anchor said, that's really great. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Yeah. And I was, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know that until I saw the clip. And so I'm kind of glad I didn't, didn't know that. But you realize that people just are going to naturally assume that it's a male running the College Football Hall of Fame until they learn differently. And so that was a little eye opening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, we got to create visibility for women in these leadership roles. And, you know, I'm so happy you shared that story um, because I've talked about before how I've been asked if I was the secretary. I've got, you know, people who will look at the man standing next to me and ask him a question versus me. Mm -hmm. I had a guest on the podcast who was running a meeting, big partnership meeting for her sports organization. And when one of the the guests had entered the room who was actually going to give the pitch to work with their company, asked her to get him some coffee, sweetie. And that is why we do this. This is why we stand up because we've got to continue to create that visibility because once 
once they know, once they see, you know, for the most part, it's like, oh, of course she can do that. She earned that role. Look at the accomplishments that she made, but it, it does still exist. And that's why we've got to raise, raise our voices and, and raise our hands in these roles. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's also in our nature as women to be more of that servant leader than necessarily the dictator. And I think we have to be careful that that is not misinterpreted in the way of, you know, hey, go get go get me coffee, sweetie. Right. Right. Just because I'm willing to offer to, you know, to serve and to to take care doesn't mean that you can treat me that way. Exactly. Exactly. And we're so women make great leaders because we are so supportive of our teams Mm -hmm. and we help them to find success. But in that we can't lose ourselves and our individual contributions and forget to sing our own praises because no one else is going to do it for us. No one else is going to do it. So Talk us through the interview process, Kimberly. How did you land this role? And are there any tips that you can lay out to help our listeners nail their next big interview? So that's that's a, a really great question. And being an, I was an internal candidate. So I had been with the Hall of Fame in a sales and marketing role for just shy of five years. And this was my the second CEO transition. And I had been asked when the first CEO left that actually hired me into the marketing role, you know, why didn't, you know, why didn't you go for CEO when the job was open? And I said, well, they hired me to do a specific job around kind of straightening out the marketing and the sales and trying to get that, get the side of that, that side of the organization functioning well. And I hadn't done that. It was only a few months in, I hadn't done that job, you know, to say, Hey, now I'm going to abandon this and make me CEO. So you know, fast forward um, just shy of four more years and the the CEO that had come on board had decided to retire. And, you know, for me, I knew at that point, this is my time, this is my role, but they definitely, they conducted a national search. So they, they put me through the paces. Um, I had the the unique opportunity to meet with the, the recruiter that was doing the national search to describe what I thought the ideal candidate would look like as somebody, you know, who would be ultimately working with that candidate potentially, you know, what is the, what is the business need? So what does the ideal candidate look like? And I said, well, she's about five, eight and has light brown hair and has been with you, you know, so, you know, in trying to, so I, I did have that unique opportunity and then went through the interview process and it was three interviews um, with panels, all of them, you know, panel interviews. And the last one, it was down to myself and, and one other candidate. And, you know, I just, I just went in confident and my, my message was consistency with a vision. You know, the organization needed some consistency and leadership. We're still only seven years old. August will be seven years. Um, I would be the third CEO since the building's been open. And to be able to continue to steer the ship in the right direction, have some some consistency of leadership, but have a vision for what it can be in the future. And so I think that message really resonated 
that I wasn't just going to do the same old, same old, but I was going to be consistent. So two things I've got to restate that you said there. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully everyone heard this. So Kimberly's interview tips, first confidence. So mm-hmm. she had the guts to describe herself as the ideal candidate, mm-hmm. put yourself in those shoes. And the second thing was that you really honed in your message and idea on your vision for the position. So you weren't just interviewing, illustrating all the great work that you'd done in the past, but you laid out what your thoughts were once you were in that chair. So casting that yourself in that role in the future of the organization. Absolutely. I came in with a business plan. I came in with you know, a 30, 60, 90, 180 day plan. This is what I'm going to do. Now, granted, I've done, I think two of those things because COVID immediately hit because the interview (laughs) process was going on like in February and in, in March. And so, you know, that's, that's been a little bit of a change, but, you know, I was definitely forward thinking and not resting on my laurels. Yeah. I think that's, that's the key, right? Like, Mm -hmm then what? You earn this role, then what? What What is that next step? Mm-hmm. So what skills do you think are essential to lead in a CEO position like this? And then what do you hope to learn and accomplish um, as you're honing or you're, you're narrowing in on your first year in the role? Obviously, a lot of hurdles with COVID, things didn't go necessarily as planned. But first, what are the essentials to be that leader? And second, what are you hoping to accomplish? I think courage and compassion are, are the, have been the themes, at least for this year of my leadership. And it's been courage to make tough decisions. And we've had, we, you know, we had 41 full-time employees in March of last year. We have 16 today. And, you know, those are people I'd worked with for a long time, people I cared deeply about and, but having the courage to make the tough decisions, but then do it in the most compassionate way possible. And, and then that compassion has to extend to the team that's left behind because they are also now carrying significantly more weight um, because of the reduced staff and just understand that the things that they're going through, they have the same personal uncertainties, the same concerns about family and COVID and, you know, their job, are they going to lose their job if they see their, you know, their coworkers. So, you know, just creating an environment of constant communication has been very important. And, and then I would say, so maybe it is three C's, right? Courage, communication, and compassion. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's that's internal leadership at its absolute finest for you. And then I think that also extends to all of your guests and stakeholders as well. I mean, you not only have to lead the business internally, but you're leading the business externally. You focus on strategic marketing initiatives, community and public relations, group and event sales, as well as philanthropic development partnership sales and activation. I mean, the list goes on and on. You've got two teams, you've got your internal and your external. So how did these three C's apply to that external group in, in this uh, last year? Well, I think from, I think from the, the courage standpoint, you know, I, I would say on the fundraising side, 
we had never put ourselves out there. We're a 501c3. We had, you know, really never, and, and there are many reasons behind it, but had never kind of developed our case statement and gone gone to market as a mission-based um, you know, nonprofit. And, and so the, the courage it took to do that, to say that in this time where we're, we're cutting so many expenses, I'm going to find a nonprofit consultant who is going to help me navigate this and help get us to a place that we can actually start functioning um, like a, a legitimate nonprofit, no different than a botanical garden or a zoo. We're just, our, our exhibits happen to be around college football, not flowers. And so that's been, you know, I, you know, again, it's, it's such internal external, but really had to kind of step up and tell the board, this is what I'm going to do. And this is why, and I feel like it's critically important to our future. We can't mortgage our future because we're trying to survive this, this season that we're in right now. And I think then communication with our sponsors because we have done a lot of things to add value. We created Field Trip Fridays and featured a lot of our partner exhibits and pushed that out through social media. We, we tried to find a lot of ways to add value since the four walls themselves in the attraction wasn't delivering the value that it, that it necessarily does during normal times. And so that constant communication with our partners, this is what we did this week, this is what we did, you know, this is what's coming up. And, and keeping that dialogue open left them with a the confidence that we haven't had anyone ask for money back. We haven't had anyone say, you know, what are you going to do to make this right? It's really been um, very well received. And I think that is the communication piece. And just reminding them also that we're a nonprofit and this is you know, what we're trying to accomplish. So I think those two, right, you know, just to stand up and say, this is what we need to do and do it. And then you cannot over communicate in a time like this, because if you if you leave a vacuum or a void, people are going to fill it with what they think. And so you need to be out ahead of that for sure. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, Learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go. Visit leadershipisfemale.com. Join our newsletter. Check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the association for people who work in professional sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. 
from finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, marketing, human resources, and analytics, the assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. 100%, that communication is so key. If you leave a vacuum, people will fill it with whatever they think versus the story that you're telling. It's such a great tip. You also said that you asked for help. You brought on a nonprofit consultant to help you develop that area of the business. So you're sitting on the top as CEO and you were still able to look around and say, Hey, this is an area I need developed and Mm -hmm. I need to bring in an expert to help us do this with excellence. That itself takes courage to, to say somebody else needs to come in and help lead the path forward. What was that? Um, what was that like for you? You know, and and thank you for that compliment because I don't even think that I I looked at it that way because I I'm very confident in the abilities that I have, but I'm also very willing to say this is an area that is just so outside my wheelhouse that that I don't need to be trying to lead our strategy here because I'm I, I don't have that skill set. It's a different language, like fundraising and philanthropy and how foundations and donors and gifts. And it, it's, it is truly, you need a, like a glossary when, when you're having a conversation. And so bringing on, bringing on the consultant that I did is just, but it's also blessed me in so many other ways because he has coached me as a first time CEO of a nonprofit. So not only has he helped grow our fundraising strategy, he, you know, the unintended consequences and gift is that he's grown me as a leader in ways that I could have never imagined. So um, that's been really great. That's what happens when you open your mind to learn, you get a chance to develop too. So that's just so awesome. Awesome to hear. Navigating board, the board of directors and dealing with, you know, just all of that that stuff that had just never been a part of the daily, the daily life before now. So it's been very, very, very helpful. Oh, that's great. So you've got so much success today. Can you identify a tipping point in your career along this path to CEO of the college football hall of fame? You know, I think when, I think that when I took on responsibility, I definitely, when I joined the Atlanta Thrashers, the hockey team as their, their marketing manager in, um, in the early two thousands and, and grew in that role. And there were certainly weren't a lot of women in hockey organizations at that time, especially in more forward facing roles. And then when Turner broadcasting sold, the Hawks and the Thrashers, they created synergy. What synergy means is more work, same amount of money. <laughs> In my opinion, they said, well, you're already doing this for the hockey team. You can just assume responsibilities for the basketball team as well and have, you know, 82, you know, events a year, not 41. And, and, you know, buy the advertising for two teams and manage the promotions that are going on for two teams. And, you know, after a couple of years, you'd walk in the arena and you'd 
you would forget, like, am I at a basketball game or a hockey game? I am not sure right now. And you would look and say, okay, the concourse staff is wearing red basketball. Okay. But it was a tipping point for, you know, obviously it was great on my resume, you know, a handful of people actually have managed, you know, marketing and branding for two professional sports teams simultaneously. And so from a, a resume tipping point, but from a, just from a capacity and the ability to handle what was thrown at me standpoint, I was, I left there very confident in my ability to handle pretty much anything because I had survived that. Yeah. I mean, I think the overwhelm in sports is real. Like you start doing one thing, you have success, it's recognized and the reward is more things to do. So talk a little bit about that. How do you manage the overwhelm? How do you manage all of the work that comes once you find success? What does that look like for you? So the biggest challenge that I've had, and it's, it's really, it's, it's interesting that it's still a struggle because I gave an interview in 2006 and I said then that I was a doer and that I was working on delegation, right? Like you, if I see something that needs to get done, I get it done. I call them GSDers. And so for me today, I still find that struggle for that balance of delegating and then what I can keep on my plate. And so I, I'd like to think I've gotten better at it, especially even in this year and this season. But I think if we don't learn to effectively delegate, then we are not only shortchanging ourselves, we're shortchanging those that are trying to come up behind us because we're not giving them the opportunity to, to take something on, maybe make a mistake or two, learn from it and grow. And so when I started looking at it that way, that, that that's helped me say, and let go of more things. Yeah, it's such a great point. And I've had that said to me too. And when you move some things off your plate, you give somebody else an opportunity. Yes. And I think often, I don't know if it's a, if a woman thing or just a human thing, but you think like, all right, well, I don't want to overburden that person, you know, or I don't want to ask something else of that person. But really, I think you've got to flip the flip the script a little bit and think about the opportunity that it might unveil for that individual when they get to take on an additional project. Boy, when I move something off my plate and give somebody else the chance to work on it, like the relief is instantaneous. Yes. And oftentimes they're really relief. Yes. And the person I give it to is like, of course, like, I'd love to work on that project. And actually I have an idea and I'm like, mm-hmm. why didn't I ask you to do that six weeks ago? Why didn't I do this sooner? I did a vision board <clears throat> at the start of 2020. And I, that was one of the things that I put on the vision board is why didn't I do this sooner? Just because there's so many things that you, when you finally do them, you're like, well, that's a no brainer. So, so, okay. Sorry. I got to ask you about the vision board. I hear you're putting your head down, but seriously share with us. So many successful women create vision boards and everyone has sort of this unique lens. I haven't done it yet. I should. Why did you do it first? That was my first. And I did it because our HR director 
you know, was trying to create, you know, it was really as much an opportunity for our frontline staff and our junior staff to kind of put down some personal and professional goals. And so, you know, we ordered pizza and we basically had a vision board party for anybody that wanted to come in the company. And so it, you know, I felt like it was important for me to be there. This was prior to me getting the CEO role, but I was in the search process in the, you know, in the process. And so again, it was the first one I'd ever done and it was really powerful, you know, and I found, you know, you just start looking through magazines and one of the quotes I pulled out from Brene Brown, dare to lead. And, you know, then something you don't mistake being humble for not knowing your worth and the, why didn't I do this sooner? And some of those things. And so some of it was pictures, some of it was sayings and, and it, it really was something that I kept with me all year. And so I did another one this year and, you know, added some things around balance and, you know, travel and relaxing because this has been such an intense year um, in a new role and in the in the pandemic and <clears throat> some some of the other things that that we had here in Atlanta with civil unrest and and our building and so um, and you know really focusing on being a mom and so that was kind of the vision board for this year that's so awesome I love that you did it as a staff this wasn't a solo project um, but what a great idea to get a group together and, and do it together. Not just, I, I have a goal setting worksheet that I'll send out, but that's next level to create the party around it. And, and then you get to know like what people are after. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It opens the door for so much more conversation with your team because you'd be like, well, I didn't know that you wanted to go travel to here. I didn't know this is the direction you wanted to go in your career. I didn't know you were passionate about this. And it really allows, it just creates the opportunity for dialogue and you're investing in them and as well. You're giving them some tools to improve themselves and reach their goals. And it's definitely valued and appreciated. Yeah. And you brought up the word balance when you were talking about your vision board for 2021. And in your intro, you told us um, your wife and a mom and a sister and a friend and an aunt. How are you working to achieve more balance? What are some of the things that you're doing? And do you have any have any tips for us? I know it's a it's a tricky tightrope uh, at certain times. So any advice you can lend is much appreciated. So one thing I did, and it was. It, I've really struggled with it. And again, I think it's kind of that asking for help um, thing that we struggle with. I hired a virtual assistant. I can't, you know, we as an organization cannot afford, you know, an administrative assistant right now or anything like that. But a virtual assistant is somebody that you get for 10 hours a week. And I have slowly been letting go, you know, to her and allowing her to help me in not only my work areas, but personal areas. And by getting some of the mundane nitty gritty stuff off my plate, that's allowed me to step back and say, oh, I can, you know, make this dinner plan or I can because my calendar is more organized and and I just feel a little bit more in control because I asked for help. And 
So now, you know, I'm finding more time to do the things that I want to do because I'm organizing the time I have better, but I couldn't do it by myself. It's such a great, great point. Another wonderful example of asking for help and maybe a tip I should take home with me after today too, because I, the personal to-do list with my family is, is unchecked on Friday night. And then all the work stuff got crossed off. Mm -hmm. And some people say like, you know, those priorities are messed up, but I'm like, well, I have this commitment, you know, to my company and I've got to move that along, along the lines, you know, my kids are safe, well-fed and, you know, their clothes are clean. So, you know, that's good. The play date we can schedule later. I'll sign them up for camp on Sunday night. You know, we'll figure that stuff out at another time. I run by Target on the way to the birthday party because I didn't order, you know, a bunch of stuff from Amazon and have it in my closet ready to go. Then that's fine. You know, or I can now say, can you order? I've got a, you know, she'll know there's a birthday party coming up for my daughter on my calendar. And, you know, do you want me to go and order something for you from Amazon? And I'm like, yes, thank you. Oh my gosh. That's or we awesome. had a school supply drive and she saw that in my inbox. And do you want me to go to your Amazon account and order these supplies for, and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you, please. So it is, it's a gift. Um, it, it's been, it's been a, a gift I gave myself, I guess I could say. Yeah. I'm, one of my mom hacks is I keep um, birthday party gift bags in my car so that way I can just swing through Target um, or Walmart toy department. And then my son, you know, he'll be with me because he's on the way to the birthday party. So then he gets to pick out the gift. We throw it in the gift bag and, you know, then, then we're there. Sometimes we're on time. Sometimes we're 15 minutes late because we had to shop first. But you know what? He showed up and um, I had the gift bag ready to go. It makes me feel a little better. There you go. I love that. Cause I can't tell you how much money I've spent on gift bags. Oh, I know it's prepared. So there you go. Yes. Yes. So what advice do you have for women to implement today so that we can level up tomorrow? You know, so I don't, I don't know if it's advice, but again, sometimes you get gifts given to you at just the right moment when, you know, you're struggling or you feel like, and again, I have, you know, the leadership that I am dealing with is very male. And so in that balance, so I received this text message um, on February 22nd. So, and it was two days before I had a very important Zoom um, conversation that, you know, I really needed to be on my game for. And it says to the women who are labeled aggressive, so it's dot, dot, dot. To the women who are labeled dot, dot, dot. Aggressive, keep being assertive. Bossy, keep on leading. Difficult, keep telling the truth. Too much, keep taking up space. And complicated, keep asking hard questions. That just was exactly what I needed in that moment. And to me, I, the bossy, for example, you know, I, I'll tell my daughter, quit being so bossy. And, and I've stopped. No, like you, she's exerting her natural leadership skills. Now she may need to tone them down a bit, but I just, I just love it. Right. Because it, it isn't aggressive. It's that's how people are labeling you. So don't let people label you. How about that? 
Yeah, I think I think that's great. I've been called tough before. And I thought, you know, at first I was like, really? Like, she said I was tough? And then, then I was like, you know what? That's great. I should be tough because she is good at her job and she can do it. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm pushing her harder, but she's going to be better in the end. She always gets it done and is happy with her work in the end. So I'll embrace I'll embrace that one and, uh, and we'll move forward. But I think those are, that's an awesome way to, to flip the script on what would be perceived as maybe a negative assertion towards, towards you and in your leadership skills and really highlighting like why those are great qualities mm-hmm. as, as a leader. I love that. You'll have to send that to me so we can. can It made me, it just made me smile. And, and you said something that I think is really important. And I I can tell this about you a thousand percent, just from our conversation, you're tough on the people that, that you work with when you, because you see their potential, but you're also that way because you're tough on yourself. And I think that our staffs start to learn that about us. They see, well, she's not any harder on me than she is on herself. She's holding me to the same standard she's holding herself to. And, you know, you're leading by example. And so I, I think it's totally fine to be tough because, you know, we're tough on our children because we want them to be the best they can be. What an amazing compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. I will take that with me for the rest of uh, this lead up to the season. That's for sure. Okay. So that was sort of an amazing quote that you just laid down, but is there one more favorite quote that you can leave us with today? So I can't take credit for it, but I love it. And it's how you do anything is how you do everything. There, there are just no shortcuts. There, there are, there are no shortcuts and I have to give credit to the Peloton community. Oh, shout out to Peloton. Peloton. too. And Jess Sims, she says it all the time, and I love her classes. And how you do anything is how you do everything. And I, I know that I've lived by that, but just never had words for it. And now I do. That's such a wonderful statement. And it holds you personally accountable. Yeah. If you go to take a shortcut and your brain kicks in that quote, mm-hmm. you catch yourself. Yeah. Like maybe I'll only do five burpees. No, I'm going to do 10, right? It's, it's that. And then because you show up like that for that, you're going to show up like that when it really, 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 really matters. So, yeah. And um, I'll, I'll do a shout out to Allie Love here. She says, yes or yes. What is your answer? Yes or yes. And then she says, yes, you can. So the minute she tells you to crank it up or do something harder in your brain. It's so crazy. It will literally be like, I can't give any more. And she, at that same instant says, Mm -hmm. yes, you can. Those takeaways, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yes. Or yes. Yes, you can like put those, plant those seeds in your brain and let yourself find, find that success. um, That is inevitable when you stick to it and, and work hard. Absolutely. Yes, I'm best, best, best purchase I made in 2020. Oh, I would, I would say that too, hundred percent. Well, Kimberly, they can send send us some, some merch or some. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take a pair of leggings. Uh, Yeah. That'd be great. I I saw the new line come out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, this has been such a wonderful, insightful, inspiring conversation. Where can our listeners keep in touch with you and all the great work that you're doing? So I'm one of the things I'm working on is my social media presence. It's definitely not been again something in my wheelhouse. So Esther, my my VA is helping me with that as well. So you know, definitely on LinkedIn, um, you know, Kimberly Hartley Bowden, and then um, Twitter is at Bowden Kimber fifteen. Those are the two places where I tend to spend the most time. And I will link that up in the show notes. So just scroll down on your iPhone and uh, take a look and give Kimberly a follow so that she can continue to lead you forward. Thank you for sharing your voice with us today. Thank you for having me. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, on interviewing, know and name what you can contribute. Find out what the ideal candidate looks like and exude confidence that you are indeed that person. Number two, again on interviewing, consider presenting a 30, 60, 90 day plan that you'd execute upon your hiring. Number three, in leadership roles, remember the three C's, courage, compassion, and constant communication. And number four, if there is an area where you don't have a specific expertise, don't be afraid to ask for help. There are times to push yourself to learn and to do it on your own, and there are times when you need someone with expertise to assist. Know the difference. Hey, leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to this show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at leadership is female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.